Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This just feels weird. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Oh. <laughs> See, it's all off! None of this is making any sense. I'm discombobulated. This is Wretched Radio Freel. What's new? It's mail... Bag day. Sending your questions, snarks, and conundrum snorries. See, I can't. This is just wrong. It always takes you all week to prepare for it. It's just, that that too is true. (laughs) (laughs) Idea at wretched.org. All right. We start with Alan today, who says, Todd, in my daily prayers, I ask God for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. However, I worry that by doing so, I might be undermining the sacrificial work of Christ on Mm. the cross. Yeah. Is it a sin to ask for forgiveness daily? No. No. You can do it whenever,ly that you want. And frankly, you should. You are foot washing, if you will. Uh, The illustration that Jesus gives to us about daily repentance, or I should say regular repentance, was in the upper room. When he washed the feet of the disciples, Peter said, hey, do all of me. I want to be totally clean. And Jesus said, you don't need it because the redemptive work has you clean. So why do we confess our sins when they're already forgiven? It is more of a relational confession that when when it happens in real time, all of your sins, past, present, future, gone, blato, nailed to the tree, Colossians chapter 2. But it's a relational confession. Lord, I did this. I hate doing this. I'm so sorry. Thank you for your mercy. I don't know that you should ask for forgiveness. I, I think theologically that isn't precise, nor do I think it's needed. Lord, thank you so much that you've forgiven all of my sins, even this dumb thing that I just did. So keep on confessing and keep your theology straight. That's, that is a good theological question. That's somebody who's thinking this through. Wait a second, they're all gone. Why do I need to keep confessing them? And the answer is, I think, found in the word relation. Idea at wretched.org. All right, moving on to Greg. Todd, I have a very dear friend of mine who is actively involved in leading kids' church and occasionally delivers sermons at her church. She has asked me to listen to one of her sermons online and provide feedback. Mm, To the kids. Uh, Well, it doesn't say that. It says to the church. Well, well, see, that just starts to flit around the, you're getting close to the center. I know how that could be justified. there, There shouldn't be, I don't think it should be called the kid's pastor, that you can't put an adjective in front of that job description, in front of that title, and not compromise. No, not obliterate First Timothy 
So this woman, she's leading kids ministry. She's teaching them. Thumbs up. Rock on. Now she's invited to deliver, let's call it a little mini sermon to the kids in front of the congregation. You're still teaching the congregation. The goal isn't to try to figure out how close can we get to violating without becoming either legalistic or neglecting the doctrine of adiaphron, that there are some things where there's some gray area here. I I think we try to move as far away from the line as we can, not as close. And for my money, I think a woman teaching the kids in front of the congregation getting way too close. In fact, I think it's even crossing the line, honestly. What say you, Jimmy Jam? I, I would agree. I would agree. There's nothing wrong with the woman teaching the kids in the kids' room. Right. But uh, yeah. And it's during the worship service. If there is any time when the office of elder can appear to be usurped, it can happen throughout the week. Make no mistake about it. But most definitely the church service idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Laura. Todd, what does it mean to biblically listen to God? And how does this differ from uh, contemplative prayer? (laughs) How do you listen to God? You read your Bible out loud. That's how you listen to God. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the correct application of his word. And he speaks to us through others who are godly, who are applying the Bible to our situation. That is how God communicates to us. It isn't a direct audible. It isn't a feeling, a sense, a hunch, a liver shiver. That Those are God's ordained means for getting wisdom to us from others, from preaching slash teaching, and also just from his word. Now, contemplative prayer, oh, they love to think they hear from God, that they are actually having a little chit-chat. They go into a bit of a mindless state. This is mindfulness again. And I was just incidentally reading something about mindfulness and how its practice is being incorporated. What It was like, what? You're doing it there too? So it's not just with the kids, courtesy of Goldie Hawn and John Kabat-Zinn. It's in businesses. We knew that. It's in the halls of power. They're doing this in government offices. I think it was in athletics or muse, something, but it's just everywhere. Empty your brain. It's a very Eastern practice, and so is contemplative prayer. It's um, it's it's repeating something, a thought. It's really clearing your mind. The, the, the Christian doesn't clear his mind. The Christian informs his brain. That's That's... We're the cognitive faith, not the mystical faith. And contemplative prayer is having a contemplation about God, thinking about God, feeling God in some sort of mystical sense, and even communicating with God. The contemplative prayer, it does have some cousins like cataphatic prayer. This is a Lulu. This is where you go into your brainless state and Jesus comes and takes you by the hand to walk you back through your childhood where you can see how you were treated And then Jesus basically comforts you in the moment. That shouldn't have happened to you. That was terrible. And then you feel healed. That's just all unbiblical garbage. Idea at wretched.org. 
All right. This next question is from William. Uh, Todd, I have someone close to me who is curious about becoming a believer, uh, but I lack confidence in explaining things very well. As a 22-year-old believer of less than a year, what are some effective ways I can help motivate them to learn on their own? Yeah. Well, you could start trying to give them baubles that they find attractive and interesting. Introducing different. Give it a try. I just did this with somebody recently. Hey, I thought this sermon, it might be up your alley. Turns out it wasn't. (laughs) But you can try different things. Here's a book. Here's an article. Here's a sermon. Here's an individual on the YouTube machine. I thought you might find this clip interesting to just wet their whistle. But remember, you can encourage a horse, but you can't make them read the Bible or listen to sermons. I think that's how that saying goes. So just give them options and encourage Because the only way that they're going to really discover that it is so good to learn about God is when they start learning about God and they realize, whoa, this stuff is amazing. So well done. 22? Is that 22 years old? Uh Uh-huh, 22. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm just going to take a contemplative moment. I'm done. Idea at wretched.org. All right. So we have a question from Tammy who wants to know if there is any significance to the time 1025 on the studio clock. The time 1025? On your TV studio clock. Is that what it's set to? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's only because the battery ran out. There you go. That's what time ran out. (laughs) there's, There's nothing significant to that. I think at one point we had it at like 316. Eh? Eh? But nothing. I guess if we were going to do 10-something, it would be 1031. You know, 1 Corinthians 10-31. No, no symbolism. Okay. In my brain, somehow this synapse actually worked. When we were up in Pigeon Forge not that long ago, Jimmy, did I tell you about the Mennonite couple? Uh, You did not. Okay, there there were two Mennonite couples that we bumped into at a restaurant after I spoke on Thursday night. And we just chit chat a little. Very nice folks. And we just laughed that we had ended up in the same restaurant in a town that is just loaded with restaurants. The next day at the smoothie place, the Mennonites were there, too. (laughs) So then the next day they said we bumped into each other again. Hey, where were you for dinner last night? And they said the restaurant that we were going to go to, but we couldn't find. (laughs) That would have been three meals in a row. And if that had happened, do you know what that means? What does that mean? Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Pagans bump into each other regularly. God doesn't communicate through little situations and circumstances. And whoa, we ate with the Mennonites three times in a row in undisclosed locations. God communicates through his word. He communicates through preaching. He communicates through his people when they are applying the Bible to our situation. And I got to tell you, that's plenty of information. This is Radio Wretched the Shindig. What is? None of this is working. Wretched Radio. 
Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Basil of Caesarea was a bishop of Caesarea in the fourth century. He was a defender of orthodoxy and wrote several important works proving the divinity of the Holy Spirit and refuting the Arian heresy. Most importantly, he introduced the Trinitarian formula describing God as one being and three persons. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The bad news is this is weird. The good news is at least we kept our word. This is Wretched Radio. It's mailbag day on the day that it isn't normally mailbag day, but we've talked about doing this for a long time because so many folks have great contributions, questions, conundrums, and so we are dedicating a... 
a week to mailbag. Now you say, what about Witness Wednesdays? Nope. That's kind of an unviolatable principle that we have here. We don't mess with evangelism because <laughs> it is so important. What was the term? Mrs. Friel came up with another good one. Oh, the difference, for instance, in trying to make a nation Christian via Christian nationalism. I, I, I understand the semantic range issues, but just so we can move the conversation along without a 10-minute disclaimer. Christian nationalism is akin to Christian moralism in that we want people to behave morally, even though they have not had a heart change. So Christian moralism versus Christian evangelism. Huge difference between the two. One, you're going to get some sort of external conformity with evangelism. You get an internal heart change. And then it works itself outward where people delight in doing what is right. So we're doing mailbag all week except Witness Wednesday. Please continue sending stuff to idea at wretched.org. Didn't Jesus have a term for that? Didn't he call them whitewashed tombs? Yeah, Yeah, that really, look, that, I get it. I understand the power of the argument that says, well, don't you, wouldn't you prefer that people just sort of behave morally? And I would say that, sure. Yeah, that is better, but that isn't the goal of Christianity. And that isn't the job of the church. Since when has the church been responsible for getting unbelievers to do Christian things. that You've got to be a Christian to do Christian things, at least to desire them. No, I get it. I understand the argument. Historically, you can take a look at a time when there was a heavy hand, when people were forced to conform to, and look at the productivity, look at the safety, look at the children and the lack of promiscuity. I get it. But that it begs the question, and I don't mean Alistair. What does God want us to do here? What does it profit an entire nation? If what what would happen for it? Let's just say, what would you prefer? Would you prefer that everybody in America stopped watching porn and they remained in their current spiritual state, or would you like to see some people actually get saved, born again, and suddenly find pornography disgusting and their eternity now is on a much higher trajectory. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, so a pagan stops watching porn. We have to remember, we're not even a drop in the bucket of time. It, it's it's more like this, this tape measure that goes on for forever, and we're just like a pinpoint. It's like we're nothing. It's just nothing. Eternity is the issue. They're spending eternity in a lake of sulfur or in the presence of King Jesus So to have a nation that behaves better, oh, I get the benefits, but they sure are temporal. Please keep sending stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Buck, who says, Todd, I'm looking for uh, recommended resources on engaging youth in the church who struggle with special needs, Mm. including reactive attachment disorder. Can you provide (laughs) any suggestions? You know... Not at the moment, but it's so funny you bring up reactive attachment disorder. In general, for kids with special needs, I think that you just need to find 
age-appropriate material for learning level. I'm not aware of any that would, for instance, be the youth group study for kids with autism. This, I, I, I'm not aware. Maybe there is something. I'm not aware of it. You would have to discover the age level or the reading level, the understanding level, and then get the appropriate materials, whether it is their age appropriate or not. But specifically about RAD, I'm thinking about asking two people to work on something for RAD. If you've never been to Missouri, you would not know that that is the state that is an unregulated state for boys' homes and girls' homes. And there is a particular denomination that has identified Missouri as a state where, hmm, all of those kids who are struggling around the nation in different states where maybe the parents need this type of support where they send their troubled kids to these places so that the kids are safe, the families are safe, the families can heal. And statistically, about 60 to 80 percent of those kids are adopted kids because they're dealing with something called reactive attachment disorder. And the fundamentalist Baptists have identified this huge gaping need in our country for helping it's boys and girls, but predominantly boys, recover from their adoption issues. But I've also noticed they don't have a particular resource. So I've been thinking about this. That's right. Sometimes I'll do that. I've been thinking about what would be the most helpful literature for somebody with RAD. If you're not familiar with it, it is basically think baby trauma, kid trauma, and the effects that that causes really throughout their lives. It is a traumatic experience that is is the initiator of what the psychologists call reactive attachment disorder, which means these kids have trouble bonding. And that is a big problem because they've been abandoned. They have a really deep scar in their psyche. Perhaps the rewiring of their systems is off because of the trauma that they experienced the horrible environment they may have been in, the abuse that they potentially received. The issue is trauma, and it manifests itself in anger and and disruptive behavior and wrong attention-seeking methods. Who could possibly write a resource about that? I'm thinking Greg Gifford, for one. Because he wrote an adult book on the subject of PTSD. This is PTSD for kids. There are a lot of kids with this. I would say probably every, if not just about every kid who's been adopted to varying degrees has some sort of RAD, reactive attachment disorder. So I'm thinking, hey, Greg, if you're listening, like I listen to your podcast, brother, if you're listening, how's about writing a book that would help these kids? I'm telling you, you're going to sell them like hotcakes in Missouri because <laughs> the fundies are needing something like this because it gets to the root of the issue. And the other person I was thinking about asking is Lou Priolo because of his great work on the subject of anger, which is connected to the trauma. So I'm afraid I can't say now there's a resource, but maybe if Lou and Greg are listening, they could whip something together. I think it would be a blessing to the body, whether independent fundamentalist Baptist or not. Idea at wretched.org. You're not going to ask me?
to write it? Yeah, I've got a lot of anger issues. Do you? <laughs> no, not anymore. I did. Free salvation. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. The the kids need to get saved. That's that's really it. Fixes so much when a when a when a kid with RAD, an adopted child, or a child who was abused, traumatized, gets saved. That's really what they need. But to sort, they've got a fog. It's it's no, it's not a fog. It's a tornado of chaos just swirling all the time. Their brains are on hyper alert. I can't get hurt again like that. I can't get wounded like that. I will not feel that burn again. So they're just constantly mindful and aware of what's happening in emotions. And if they don't have chaos going on outside of them, then that chaos gets whipped up inside of them. So they've got to whip up the chaos out there to bring peace inside of here pretty hard to consider the claims of the gospel and to encourage a child to have a deep, rich, lavish, profound, intimate relationship with God when they can't do that with their adoptive parents or really anybody. Jimmy, I think that if nothing else, that that excellent question and answer reflected a great deal of self-control. It did. Because I didn't promote... Greg Gifford's Transform podcast, well, or the fact that Greg Gifford hosts Transform the TV show, which we have two seasons with the study guides in our store, Wretched.org. Nor did I mention that Dr. Lou Priolo is hosting our Transform Couples program, which is going to be the bomb also. And those resources, too, will be available at Wretched.org. So I think, if nothing else, self-control. You did a very good job. And isn't it fascinating how some denominations... They kind of find a ministry thing that the independent fundamentalist Baptists, for whatever reason, they've decided to help boys and girls with these homes in Missouri. Here, here's here's another one. The Teen Challenge organization. Now, these days, it's a, a little bit more ecumenical in that there's other evangelicals. But that's kind of the charismatic thing. And that alcohol and drug rehab kind of tends to be their thing. Baptists, could we say... Oh, I know what our thing is. Oh, I got it. I know exactly what it is. Fighting. Just arguing all the time about pretty much everything. See, we've all kind of got our own thing. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start today with a bit of financial news, a financial slide but not on Wall Street. It seems Target stock market value has taken a significant hit, much like Bud Lights did, to the tune of $6 billion since there's been backlash over their pride collection. Sounds like a pretty costly lesson in customer preference. And now to Maryland, where parents are taking matters into their own hands. What matters, you ask? Well, well, six parents have sued their local school board for what they call a mandate. That's a have-to, not a get-to or a want-to. That's a have-to. A mandate to read pride books. The parents are arguing that the books are a bit too much for the youngsters. Yeah, you think... The courtroom may not be the typical parent-teacher conference venue, but the parents seem to be committed to their stance. Meanwhile, in Indiana, a school counselor has found herself out of a job for expressing concerns about school gender policy. 
Yeah, classic First Amendment, you're fired if you speak your mind, unless you agree with us, then you can speak your mind all you want. But if you have conservative views and speak your mind, then you're fired. That's a pretty long name to call it, but she's not taking it lying down. She's filed a federal lawsuit. Now, here's something interesting. I mentioned Bud Light just a moment ago. Well, Bud Light seems to have found new sponsorship opportunities. They don't care if they've lost market value. They don't care if they're continuously losing customers. No, they're continuing to put money into things that their customer base doesn't seem to agree with. Now, they're going to be sponsoring pride parades, despite this ongoing boycott. I'm not sure about their logic, but it just seems like they're trying to make the company go out of business. Why else do you continuously shoot yourself in the foot? Maybe it's a new marketing strategy I don't understand. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see how it turns out. And last but not least, let's talk about our neighbors to the north. According to Matt Walsh, Canada's assisted suicide regime may not remain a Canadian affair for long. He believes the trend might soon trickle down to America. You know, Matt Walsh is typically right or in the ballpark with a lot of the predictions that he makes. I just hope he's wrong on this one. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a third epistle, commending Christians who were walking in the truth and showing love by their hospitality. He warned against a selfish and diversive man, whom he criticized publicly, specifically, and by name. As you continue to walk in the truth, take care to show hospitality to good teachers and avoid bad teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Keep them coming, because we sure do need them. This is Wretched Radio. <laughs> Adjusting to our week of mailbag questions. Gotta tell you, as discombobulated as I am, ugh, I've been so anxious to do this in a good anxious kind of way. Anticipating, not like Heinz 57 ketchup, anticipating the great questions, observations, the articles, the stuff that you send so good and so worthy to talk about it. So let's do it. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Ash, who says, Todd, if someone does not believe that Jesus is God, what impact will it have on their faith? How does the belief in the divinity of Jesus shape one's understanding of Christianity? It's everything. It's everything. That's why we're called Christians. He's the centerpiece of our faith. So if you don't have Jesus, the God man, you're not a Christian. So it affects everything. So you can't be regenerated. This means that you can't rightly be sanctified. You can apply some Christian life hacks, but you can't be sanctified. Furthermore, when you die, you're going to meet Jesus, the God-man who's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. This is crucial. And this is why we don't dumb down theology. Please, oh, please, dear pastor, stop buying into the, oh, we got to just dumb it down. We got to contextualize everything and make it simple. No, actually, we don't. The kids can get it. And if they don't get Jesus rightly, uh, they get an eternity in a lake of sulfur. The stakes, uh, they're eternally high. Idea, wretched.org. This one is from Dan. Tied to the Bible, the apostles cast lots to determine who should replace Judas. Should we follow this practice today? Probably not needed. Could you? Yes. 
And the reason that I don't think that it's needed typically is because we have something that they didn't have in the early church. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, that's the book for all of us to make decisions because 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Now, can there, however, be times where casting lots is just, we just don't see any other alternative? I think you can get there, but only after you exhaust the Bible and really ask God for wisdom and really get godly counsel. If it comes down to a situation, and I think it wouldn't take long to imagine a scenario where two parties are like, well, I, I think this and I think that, not, not because you're doing some sort of judicial coin toss to figure out who's right and who's wrong. Hey, we just want to get this. We can't figure out how to do this. Can we do what determined Matthias was going to be the replacement for Judas? Yeah, I think you can. But only after you've made every effort to figure it out from the Bible, having received wise counsel, having prayed for wisdom, really studied the word, then if you need to, sure. Because God, he, he's determined which side of the coin it's going to fall on. But please, oh please, do not let that become anything near any sort of normative practice for you. It's lazy. And I think that it's kind of undermining the authority of the word and potentially offensive to God. He gave us a book and he promised it's got everything you need. So use the use the coin toss, but use it as a last resort. Jimmy, can you think of any times when it's like, you know, we'll let the Lord resolve it and we'll just live with that. By I mean, there's been scenarios where you've been close to that. You maybe didn't do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, not off the top of my head, no. Think, think, think Mrs. Hicks. Think oh. about Mrs. Hicks. Marrying Mrs. Hicks? Not marrying her, but what, you know, Zaxby's Chick-fil-A. Now, a good biblicist would conclude Zaxby's. <laughs> Nevertheless, you're at a crossroads. It, I, I get that it can happen. But wow, would it be easy to start relying on releasing a fleecing and tossing a coin and looking for a sign in the trees for God to make the decision? No, we've, we've got what we need in the Bible. Please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Joe. Todd, is it significant or a matter of concern if someone refers to the Holy Spirit as simply Holy Spirit instead of yeah, using that, the Holy you, Spirit? Yeah, I, I, what is with you know, Bethel? They're the ones who do things because they put too much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Remember the Holy Spirit's role. He has many, but the Holy Spirit's role is not to point the spotlight at himself. He aims it at the second person of the Trinity. That's what he does. He illuminates us to understand Jesus. And so any denomination or movement that puts such a heavy emphasis on the Holy Spirit doesn't understand the first thing about the Holy Spirit. And so it's this movement, the NAR folks, Bethel, well, IHOP, I would say, I was just reading about IHOP. They're doing some sort of prayer thing or did some sort of prayer thing for Israel that everybody there would get saved. Okay, that's you can that's nothing wrong with that prayer, but they it's just okay, it's gonna be like a tag team. You take between midnight and one o'clock, and then from one o'clock to two o'clock, I'll take and then three o'clock to four o'clock. Okay, pray a lot, but there's no power in nonstop prayer. 
It's just kind of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo theology. And these are the organizations that tend to drop the definite article from the Holy Spirit because you don't call your, your the woman who gave birth to you the mom or the dad. It's mommy, daddy, and Holy Spirit. Idea at wretched.org. Todd, um, what's the difference? Uh, this is from Christy, by oh, the way. Oh, thanks, the Jimmy. <laughs> All right, the Todd. What's the difference between using cannabis for sleep and taking a sleeping pill? It depends on what that cannabis is. Does the individual describe the delivery mechanism? Uh, No, she doesn't. She just says if it's used similarly and helps with sleep, uh, wouldn't it be a better alternative? Here's the the issue with – I'm I'm adamantly opposed to to the whole pot business. Uh, Medicinal, fine. Run it through people who have some standards and can give dosages and make sure that you're actually adhering to the right amount and it's not being used as a delivery mechanism for getting stoned all the time. Uh, Being opposed to it, nevertheless, doesn't mean I don't see that there can't be any medicinal benefits like anything else. So let's just say there's something inside of the CBD and it helps you sleep. Okay, fine. Is it addictive? Problem. Does it do more than make you drowsy? Does it get you high? Why do you need that? Why not utilize something that is designed specifically for that purpose that doesn't have any of the other dangers and threats? So begrudgingly, I would say, yes, rightly packaged and rightly handled and rightly prescribed. If there's something in it, fine. Now, if I said to you, for instance, hey, do you think I should do morphine? You're probably going to go, whoa, what, what are you nuts? But if I were really in pain and the, the medical staff determined it's only morphine that is going to block the pain at this point, none of us would argue about that. And the same thing would be true about marijuana. The problem with pot these days is that we are seeing that people are wanting to make it legalized, not just for medicinal purposes, but for every purpose. And it's just the camel's nose. It's always medicinal first, as if there's no other solutions to these problems. Now, could pot somehow be good for your issue? Sure. But let's treat it the way we treat other Medicines. Very, very carefully. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question is from Jonathan. Todd, in children's ministries like Awana or the Adventure Club, uh, the emphasis on verse memorization can seem excessive at times. Really? How important is it for young children to memorize really? large amounts of scripture? Who says it's excessive? <laughs> huh? All right. Here, here, would, here would be a question. Who gets to define what's excessive? Now, you and I, like the individual who just wrote, would look at it and go, well, that's a lot for a kid. Okay, who decides? And I think the answer is God. So let's just say for a moment, you wrote a book that had everything needed for life and godliness. How much of it would you want people who love you to memorize it? Probably a lot. And I think that we should be doing the same And it is the time of youth to do that. It just gets so hard to memorize stuff. The older you get, for some reason, it's just easier to memorize Bible verses as a child. So plant that word into their hearts and make the kids memorize Bible verses. You know, Jimmy, 
They do that at another kid's program that I'm familiar with. Really? Tomorrow clubs. Ah. You got the kids memorizing Bible verses because it's good for them. You get, they got to hide the word into their heart. And so they have them memorize Bible verses. They preach the gospel. They teach theology. They use the repentance word. Hey, imagine that. Tomorrow clubs, outstanding. Kids clubs internationally, specifically Eastern Europe and now in Africa, and they're going gangbusters. They really could use some work ministry partners because, wow, they are getting it. They are just really, really evangelizing a lot of people in conjunction with local churches. Encourage you to check out that ministry, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. See, I could memorize that. That is one more reason. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. Wanted to take a quick second to thank our gospel partners for being the backbone of this ministry. Your unwavering support is what helps us keep the lights on around here and spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions. As Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught. And boy, we are glad that you've stuck with us and made us a part of your tradition. We promise not to let you down. Unlike God's hairline that keeps receding. No, that's not true. But listen, our goal goal is to preach the gospel, equip people to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we do it all with quality productions that are so good, even the most discerning Christians won't blush. Plus, we try to handle God's money like we're handling nitroglycerin. So we want to thank you again for being a part of the Gospel Partner family. And if you're not already in on this action, what are you waiting for? Join us by visiting wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Title 
disciples of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the physician. Jesus healed many physical ailments during his ministry on earth. When he comes again, he will put an end to death and disease and give us spiritual bodies to last for eternity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you've got the questions, we've got the time. Wretched Radio. I I repent. That's all I can say. This is Wretched Radio. That was Miller Beer, wasn't it? I do not know. You got the time. We got the beer. Ah. Miller Beer. That's great, Friel. That's just great. <laughs> You've adopted a beer lingo. Why not? I see people doing that with Bible studies. Hello, please send questions, comment. <laughs> Let's consume alcohol, which makes our brain fuzzy to study the word of God and have theological conversations. I can't make that math work. Granted, I'm not even trying to because it just doesn't seem anywhere near a wise idea. But I can't make that work no matter what I try to ponder regarding mixing alcohol with Bible studies. Zoink Scoob, idea at wretched.org. Right, we start with uh, Anonymous. Todd, should you ever date people you would not consider marrying? Why are you dating? What is this thing called dating? What is the point of this activity? It should be to get married. That, that should be the only reason that you date somebody. All you can do is scald and get burned by dating, which means I'm following the cultural trend of just hanging out with somebody that I kind of dig. Let's just see where it goes. It's so unintentional. So why don't we just ditch the whole idea of dating? And why don't we start thinking about this? How's about in order to get married, you need to know some essentials about the individual, some biblical basics. They've got to love the Lord more than they love you. They've, they've got to be growing in godliness. There can't be any ongoing sin that isn't being dealt with and that the individual is showing mastery over. I'm looking at you, dude, who's watching pornography. There must be some essential boxes that get checked before you even think, I could marry that person. Dating has it so backwards. Or I'm going to hang out with them. It's fun. You have a good time. She's pretty. Kind of digger. Okay. Are those boxes that you want to explore? Yeah, but they aren't the essentials. The big essential stuff is character. It's internal. And their Christian faith and their knowledge and their desire to love the Lord with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why don't you check those boxes first? And if you can't check them, say, well, then we'll see you at church, brother sister, because that's what you are. Dating does not give you any more access to an individual when it comes to the issue of intimacy than the categories that God has already written. She's a sister in Christ. How is a man supposed to treat a woman? Hmm? Like either a mother or a sister, a younger sister. So if you're, if you're going out with a girl, that's what you're going out with. Somebody who is a sister in the faith that you should be treating like a, even a biological sister. That's how you should be treating. Would you smooch with your sister? I hope not. 
and you shouldn't be smooching with her either. Figure out if you both have the qualifications to be married. And then you could say, now that we know that, why don't we go explore some of those other things in a safe context? I call it whatever you want to, courting, whatever. Now let's go see if we, we think that we would be compatible with one another. That is just a totally different process. This Americanized Western idea of dating, not only is it not closer to biblical a practice, it's so dangerous. And haven't we had enough time to determine, you know, it really has not worked out all that great, has it? Idea at wretched.org. Let's stay in this realm. Um, of, uh, this one is about marriage. Uh, Andrea has a question. She has a dilemma regarding her husband's request uh, for, uh, yeah, she says, my husband's request for me to dress, dress provocatively at home. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. She says, I have a dilemma regarding my husband's request. He's requ asking her? Yeah. To dress provocatively at home. Wearing low cut, short and clingy clothing like a prostitute. He argues that it's for pleasure uh, and uh, compares it to what. Uh, prostitutes wear to attract men. Uh, she uh, says, I believe uh, this goes against godly principles, and I feel uncomfortable with yeah. the idea. So uh, how can I navigate this? Uh, let me just speak in general terms, because I don't know what's going on in that home. Let, let me just kind of knock this aspect of it off the table. Can a man and a wife uh, be frisky with one another? And perhaps talk in romantic ways, sure. Between husband and wife, yes. I, I think that needs to be agreed upon. But in that context, it can be okay. Can be. Having said that, if you don't have your spouse's permission or sign on, then no. That's what it means to be married. Oh, my spouse doesn't like that. Then I don't do that. My spouse prefers that. That's what I'm going to do. And if both parties are doing that, there's just a whole lot of happiness there. Furthermore, if you're asking your wife to do something that the best descriptor you can come up with is that's the way a prostitute earns a living, uh, you're probably at a level that isn't dignified or respectful. Why would you want your wife to dress up like a prostitute? Now, having said that, can a husband and wife in the privacy of their own home uh, dress in a way that's it's romantic, we'll say? Yeah, but that's different than dressing like a prostitute. Furthermore, when a man, and I'm speaking in general terms here, not toward this specific situation, if, if a man is desiring that, I think that's probably more of a fruit than a root issue. There might be some other things that need to be discovered and addressed, and there would need to be potentially some repenting. There might just be a need for some discipling and accountability and just maturing in that, wait, that's, that's not what love is. It's, it's not dirty. It's not scandalous. I would even say it's not titillating, and that's that's because that's a different word than having romantic desires. 
Everything about the Christian and the Christian life should be up. Not low, up, loftier. So I'm, I'm, I would be inclined to think that a fellow who is desiring that, um, probably this could be an issue that could use a third party. If you can't, if you can't find that your husband is being reasonable with this and he's requiring you or pressuring you to do something that makes you feel dirty, cheap, tawdry, and sinful, and I sure wouldn't blame you for that, you would need a third party. I would encourage you to seek it. Now, if your husband's not saved and he's not under the authority of a local church, I still would go to my elders and say, I need your help. Here's my situation and let them help you specifically because I can only talk in generalities. There's obviously details to this. There needs to be understanding, etc. Madam, get your elders involved. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Amanda. Todd, why does it seem like Mormons have better music than Christians? <laughs> Do they? Is it wrong to listen to Mormon artists singing hymns and songs? About Who are we Jesus? talking about here? I don't know. The Osmonds? <laughs> are they still making music? I know uh, she's, she's, Marie has, well, she's been providing a fair income from a particular type of doctor. But I didn't know that were they still performing those Osmonds? I'm not aware of any Mormon singers. Now, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, that bugs me. I got to tell you, it bugs me because, wow, are they good. Yeah. And they do sing great classical hymns. And it's like, ah, how often have I gone to the YouTube machine and I look for a mighty fortress is our God? And it's the Mormons? <laughs> Ricky. So I don't know who the Mormon singer. Do you know of any Mormon contemporary artists? No, I don't. I know that Matt Marr is Roman Catholic. That I know, but I'm 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 just not familiar with any Mormons outside of no David Archuleta. Oh, really? Yeah, that kid from yeah, American Idol, like a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, he went out on his mission. Uh, yeah, David Archuleta okay. is right, and he went out on his missions trip. He's a Mormon, but I don't know that he's making hits. And wouldn't it be interesting if there were some Mormons? I wonder if a local Christian radio station would play it. And I fear the answer would be, why not? Is it popular? Let's play it. The lyrics aren't terrible. Can't we have higher standards than that? And can't we come up? Where are the choirs outside of? You saw it at the coronation. Oh, the choirs. Whoa. Where are the choirs besides in Salt Lake City? Can, can't we cobble together enough voices to just do some four-part, great, classic choir singing? <sighs> I fear the, the Mormons are beating us on three fronts. Singing, evangelism, and SEO on the internet. Hmm. I sure would like to, I sure would like to take those crowns away from them. Until tomorrow... Go serve your king.